Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. This is episode 19 of Keep a Track at Home. I'm Ryan the Goose-Gosker, as always, joined by my co-host, Jolan Bioqua. Jolan, boy, do we have a special treat for our listeners today. And no, it's not Halloween candy, not yet. That's a few weeks away. But boy, do we have quite the special treat. Jolan, welcome to the show. Must be a big week. It must be a big week. I remember that from high school. And uh, so we we have we have been blessed enough to have an interview with Zach Gelb of CBS Sports. He hosts a weekday show every night, six to ten p.m. Eastern time, and uh, you'll hear a lot about that. But Jolan, I want to get into some stuff before we get into the interview. Uh, there's some big news in the NFL, and and one of them, unfortunately, is COVID with the Tennessee Titans. I believe they're up to anywhere between seven and ten players have tested positive. About seven personnel members have tested positive. They've canceled their game against the Steelers. That game's going to be moved to Week 7. Steelers-Ravens get moved from Week 7 to Week 8. It's all kind of jumbled up there. Big news today was that Cam Newton has tested positive for coronavirus, the quarterback of the New England Patriots. That game is in jeopardy. It's already been moved to at least Tuesday night because we are here on a Saturday. It is pretty close to game time. So pay attention to that. One more positive test. Jolan, as you mentioned off air, would probably end it. But I want to get right into our picks. We're going to pick the game Zach and I did not pick. Okay, you'll hear you'll hear that in the interview. Jolan, get us started on our picks. By the way, I went 11-5 and five last week with uh, Mr. Shaw in the booth. That moves my all-time record so far on this podcast to 31-18. and 18. Pretty decent record here to start. And I need another big week. So, Jolan, let's get cracking. All right, let's just jump right into it. Let's start with the Seahawks at the Miami Dolphins. The red-hot Russell Wilson uh, is throwing three touchdown passes, uh, traveling 50 yards of air distance. It's the most in the NFL. And his 76.7% completion percentage is an NFL best 9.7% points above expected, which is 67.0, and credit all stats and setting up the matchups to ESPN.com. They do a fantastic job every week. That they do, and, and I think this one is pretty simple, but a couple things to look out for. This is where Lamar got his start in his MVP candidacy last year. Lit him up, maybe Russell Wilson time. And look out, though, Jamal Adams is out this week from what I understand. So Mike Gesicki, the tight end from Miami, look for him to have a huge week against that that anything but vaunted Seahawks defense. Still taking the Seahawks pretty big in this one. All right, our next matchup is the Baltimore Ravens at the Washington football team. Um, Chase Young, he's not playing this week. He's sitting out with a hamstring injury. And Dwayne Haskins, 56.4% completion percentage, is the lowest in the NFL among quarterbacks through three weeks. He's been awful. I'm just going to put it very frankly. He's been awful. He's been up there with Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones. It's awful quarterback so far this season. This is my lock of the week. You're catching Baltimore on a bad week coming off their embarrassment that was Monday night. Go Ravens big time in this one. I, I do think you're giving Sam too much pressure and harshness with his line he has. He did have some good plays the other day. Listen, don't you be sucking up to our Jet fan listeners. Don't 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 start that one. Don't start that one. To the but Bayou. your 16-0 is gone, by the way. Or from the Bayou all the way up to Detroit, the Saints at the Detroit Lions. The Saints have been called for nine defensive pass interference penalties, which is already tied with 2017 Bengals. For most DPI penalties through four games over the past 20 games, despite not having played their fourth game. Yeah, this is my upset of the week. I'm taking Detroit. AP is the number one back there again. We don't know the status of Michael Thomas. We don't know what he's going to be when he comes back. He might not be the same guy, and that's trouble for the Saints as we've seen over the past few weeks. Drew Brees looks lost. I'm ta- I'm going to take this. I'm going to take the Lions 
in an upset this week. It's been a bunch of games since Drew Brees has won without Mike Thomas, so it's, that is interesting to note. Moving forward, the Chargers at the Buccaneers. Um, Herbert is just the third player in NFL history to pass for 300-plus yards in each of his first two career games, joining Kyler Murray and Cam Newton. Brady, however, now has eight consecutive games with under 300 passing yards. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about Tom. I think they're going to try and get it going. They're trying to get Gronk going. I will tell you, that stat about 300-yard passing games by rookie quarterbacks, it's going to be gone in a couple of years because it's just going to become too easy. And if you look at how much the Chargers have scored the past couple of weeks, 16, I believe, last week and 20 the week before, not great and not great against this Tampa Bay offense who I think they put up at least 27 this week. So I'm going to I'm, I'm taking Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. To the Colts at the 3-0 Bears. The Bears actually being 3-0 have a point differential of 31-plus in the fourth quarter but are minus 19 in the first three quarters. What yeah. do you like? Give me Chicago in this one, mostly because they're at home. And even though there's no fans, it is still a difficult place to play uh, just because of how cold it is there. The Windy City is what Chicago's named. And Indianapolis, I still just can't figure them out. They whooped up on the Jets. Woohoo! You know, the JV team in town could probably beat up on the Jets, but... Uh, I, I just I, I don't have that much confidence in the Colts right now, and uh, you never know what you're getting out of Phillip Rivers, so go Chicago. If you want more lack of confidence, here's a matchup for you. The Vikings at the Texans, both teams 0-3, surprisingly. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been sacked 13 times this season, the second most in the NFL behind Joe Burrow with 14. Since the start of 2018 season, Watson has been sacked 119 times, the most in the NFL over that span. That seems impossible. It's just a ridiculous number. That's un. Real, I still think Houston gets the win this week. We have not seen a whole ton out of Kirk Cousins yet. Uh, we're waiting for him and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to kind of all click. So until that happens, uh, give me give me Houston in this one at home. They'll have fans, I believe. So, uh, yeah, give me Houston. Now we have the Cardinals going to Carolina at the Carolina Panthers. Um, the Panthers are averaging 99 rush yards per game, the seventh fewest in the NFL. They have been under 100 rush yards in their past two games, and they haven't got three straight games in that department since weeks 9 to 11 since the 2016 season. Yeah, and they're catching Arizona on a bad week. It, the Arizona had a bad loss to Detroit. They've been very undisciplined. I believe they're a top three team worst in discipline so far this season. It's been it's been tough to watch, but I think if you're Arizona, you need to go out west coast to east coast and make a statement against this team that's riding a high. Matt Rule's riding a high coming off his first victory. So uh, I'm going to take Arizona in this one. Expect D-Hop to have a huge day. Uh, weekly, i like to announce a toilet bowl. And this matchup this week is going to be the Jaguars at the Bengals. Um, the Bengals have been doing good with Joe Mixon. He has 164 rush yards uh, through three games. He only had 162 last season battling injuries. But he's actually out this game, I believe. Look for Bernard in fantasy. Who do you like in this matchup? This actually, to me, isn't necessarily the toilet bowl because I think these two quarterbacks are just fun to watch. I think Joe Burrow has proven to be fun to watch. Is he going to throw 75 times in a week? I think that's a huge bet moving forward here. At Gardner Minshew, you just never know what you're going to get from him. So I like this matchup, actually. I think it's a fun one. I think Cincinnati gets their first win. I think Joe Burrow, the winner, is all we've heard about him through his whole career. So I'm taking Cincinnati excuse me, in this one. Moving forward to the Eagles at the 49ers. The Eagles have been a massive, massive disappointment so far through the season. The Eagles have been outscored by 36 points in the second half this season, the second worst in the NFL ahead of the only the Falcons, minus 41. They outscored opponents by eight points in the first half, though. San Fran's finally getting off of that MetLife turf. 
that they so desperately hate as to how many guys it's cost their season. Okay, I'm going to take San Fran in this game. The Eagles don't really have an identity right now. Carson Wentz looks like a rookie quarterback. He doesn't look great. And the 49ers are getting George Kittle back. This week, give me the Niners at home. Yeah, by year four or five, you should see massive steps of progression, not degression. So it's very concerning, especially with Jalen Hurts being drafted in the first round last year. Moving forward to the 0-3 Falcons at the 3-0 Packers. Um, Atlanta receiver Julio Jones did not play in week three, but potentially set to return Monday. He has three consecutive games with 100-plus receiving yards against the Packers, including playoffs, and posted 259 receiving yards in the last matchup between the two teams on Monday Night Football in 2014. I'm going to use what my eyes have told me about the Atlanta Falcons. This is going to be a runaway freight train for Green Bay. I have Green Bay big. They're favored by seven. I think it should be more. I think even if the Falcons get up 14, you know it's gonna, you know they're gonna blow it. It's just the way it has been these past few weeks, and a team that just doesn't have a great identity. So expect them to struggle. And I think at home, Green Bay. Listen, it's cold up there. You think it's cold in Jersey? You think it's cold in Buffalo? It's colder in Green Bay, believe it or not. So uh, it's gonna be tough for Atlanta. They're outside of the dome. If they were in the dome, maybe I think this game would be closer. Maybe even risk it and take Atlanta, but. Not in Green Bay. No thanks. So to end week four and to start week five, our Thursday night matchup is Tampa Bay against the Chicago Bears with their new quarterback in Nick Foles. It's the first meeting between Tom Brady and Nick Foles since Super Bowl 52. Who do you like in this Thursday matchup? I really do like Tampa Bay. Now, I think this is going to be a fun matchup in terms of the defenses in this game because I think both can play at an extremely elite level. Chicago's offense concerns me because I think Tom will be okay. I think that's what we're seeing. Tom's not putting up gaudy numbers. But he's doing enough to win his team games, which is all you can ever ask for out of a 43-year-old quarterback. So I think Tom gets a a slight bit of revenge, and I say slight because Nick Foles beat him in the Super Bowl. So there's a lot of ground to be made up there. But I think he gets a slight bit of revenge, and I'll take Tampa Bay. So from our quick segment, we take it over to Zach Gelb. We want to thank Zach Gelb, CBS and CBS Sports Radio for coming on to the show. Ryan, you had a great interview going on with him. Let's take it over to you. I'm your host, Ryan the Goose Gossiker. Sometimes we have guests in the studio, and you know, every once in a while, you come upon a gem of a guest. And for us today, that is Zach Gelb. He hosts the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio Monday through Friday, six to ten p.m. Eastern Time. Zach, welcome to the show, and we got a lot of fun ahead of us. Ryan, thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, no doubt about it. Football going on. We got the NBA Finals and. Also, uh, Major League Baseball playoffs, so there's a lot going on in the sports world, but appreciate you having me. It's always our pleasure, and I just want to provide a little backstory and, on how I quote-unquote found Zach and, and his Twitter. Actually, that's where that's where I first found him, but it, it dates back to a as a junior on the campus of Wesleyan University where I attended. I, I broadcast the basketball games there, and I just so happened to run into a man named Brian O'Rourke, who owns O'Rourke's Diner up in Middletown, oh. Connecticut. And he says to me, Ryan, is, is this what you want to do? You know, is this what you want to do for your life? Are you interested in it? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay, cool. I know this guy that, that does some work with WFAN. I really haven't been in too much contact with him. And uh, he gave me the name of one Bob Gelb. That is Zach's dad. I know sometimes Zach calls him the legendary Bob Gelb. And I reached out to him and him and I went back and forth a little bit. And I remember him saying he had a son who had a show on CBS. And I was like, Hmm, interesting. So one day I just remembered out of the blue and I searched up Zach and started listening to your content and and I love it. I love every every segment I find on Twitter. 
you know, whether I get to listen to a full show or not. So Zach, I don't think you know that story, but I just wanted to provide some background information on that as to how I know you. No, that's crazy. And and I love that diner. Um, Usually I I go up to the travelers or try to go to the travelers championship each and every year. And that's always a stop that myself and my dad uh, will make. Um, I think the last time um, I was there, you know, we were there for probably two hours just eating delicious food. So uh, the travelers do a great job. And then, uh, yeah, Brian and then uh, my dad, they've become uh, somewhat of friends throughout the years. And uh, I, I did not know that. So that, that, that's a pretty neat story. Hopefully my, uh, my old man treats you all right. Yeah, yeah, he definitely treated me well. But so just we got that background out of the way. And Zach, I want to talk a little bit about your background as I was reading up on it before we hopped on here on the podcast. And it's really detailed. And from a young age, you've really been in sports radio, sports media, in general, can you kind of take our listeners through where you came from, how this all came together for you at such a young age? Because I think you're what, 25? Uh, it just turned 26 in August. Happy belated birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, pretty much when I was eight years old, or even before that, as young as I could remember, I would always be listening to the radio because my dad's in the business. He was the first producer for Mike and the Mad Dog, and, and now he does sales for WFAN. So uh, I just grew up in the business. You know, my, my birth was actually announced on the Mike and, and the Mad Dog radio program. So uh, pretty much uh, radio was just always uh, my passion and my love and, and something that was uh, involved in, in my family. So I uh, one day uh, played a little hooky and, and went into WFAN with my dad for, for work and you know, I was dressed in like a um, a suit, like like uh, you know, you you bring a kid into work, all that, blah blah right. blah, and that's where I really uh, fell in love with it. And then I went back another time because I kept on begging my dad to bring me to work because it was it was the coolest thing, getting to see um, Imus or or Joe and Sid or or uh, Mike and Chris host shows, and I, I thought it was so neat. And and there was a lot of perks to that too. I get to go to a bunch of Met games when I was younger. Uh, go to some Ranger games, uh, basketball games too. And uh, there was just one day where I wore a Patriot jersey into the studio in a, in a New York radio station because I'm a huge Patriot fan and and um, big fan of Tom Brady. And, and my uncle, since my dad worked on Sundays, he's from Framingham, but he grew up right next door to us when I was a kid. And, um, you know, he's he's sort of related to Andre Tippett. It's, it's a family-friend relationship. So, um Basically, I grew up as a Pats fan, and the next thing you know, Joe Beningo and, and I are going at it during a break over the, the Pats and the Jets, and uh, pretty much, I you know I got on the air. They thought it'd be a, a you know a fun little bit to put a, an eight nine year old kid on the air, and then I, I left that day and said that I wanted to do this, and and through there, um, pretty much, I started hosting shows on the internet in high school, then was a part of my college radio station, and then. But right out of college, for all the experience that I had, I got hired to be the PD and afternoon drive host at a small radio station in Jersey called Fox Sports 920, the Jersey. And through there, I was able to uh, be hired as the Eagles postgame host on 97.5, the Fanatic, in their Super Bowl winning season. And when I was at the Super Bowl that year, I had a little chat with some folks at CBS Sports Radio, and they brought me aboard as the weekend overnight host, and I was doing weekend overnights from the lovely hours of 2 to 6 a.m. Eastern, which I know people like like laugh at the time, but you're on 200 stations around the country. So it was a, it was a great opportunity, and you're on a lot of major stations since a lot of stations now 
are, are moving away from local overnight programming. And, um, you know, after that opportunity for basically doing that for two years, uh, I was hired by Sirius to work on Mad Dog Radio and also NFL Radio five days a week. Uh, but it wasn't a full-time job. And, and a month after leaving CBS Sports Radio, that's where they called me back and they said, we want to bring you back. We have an opening to do the 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 3 to 7 p.m. Pacific show Monday through Friday. And, and I've been doing that show ever since uh, January 1. And obviously a lot has happened. Uh, January, February, and March were, were fun months. But then in the middle of March, uh, clearly the, the whole landscape did change where um, I moved out of my New York City apartment for a few months. I'm living back with my parents for a while, doing shows uh, back in my parents' basement uh, as I was in high school again. And, and now I'm back in, in the studio in the city and back in my apartment. But uh, it's, it's been a wild last few months, and, and it is refreshing to to have some of the, the sports back and, and seeing the NFL get at it and having the NHL just conclude with the Lightning winning the Cup and and uh, seeing the NBA Finals tonight and, and uh, Major League Baseball playoffs going on as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's been quite a journey, but uh, pretty much uh, the, the motto I've always lived by is compelling sports talk and the best industry guest. And following that formula, I think, has uh, made me pretty successful so far early on. Don't you let anybody make fun of the overnight stuff. I work 3.30 in the morning <laughs> right now. It's, uh, it it's is no joke. It is no joke at all. But, well, uh, you want to hear how stupid I used to be? I, I was living in Philadelphia still at the time, but I would have to commute on the weekends to New York City. Oh, no. So there would be some times where I'd have a big decision to make at 5 in the morning when my shift was over at 6. Do I need an extra cup of coffee or not? And some days I'd be like, you know what, I'm pretty up. And then you get in that car for a two-hour drive from about 6.05, let's say you get out of the studio, to 8 a.m. Eastern. Yep. And it takes about two hours to get to Philly. And uh, there were some days where I wish I took the extra cup of coffee and, and your eyes kind of start to shut on the road. And then you, you wake up like a second later and you go, OK, time to get your dumb butt into a uh, into a gas station and, and down a cup of coffee or, or down a Red Bull. So uh, those shifts were crazy, but they were very rewarding. And um, and really, the, the, when I went to Mad Dog and, and NFL radio for a while, a lot of those overnight callers followed me to where I was at Sirius at the time for a few months, and they were calling, and, and it's a very loyal listening audience at, at that time of the hour, and it's where a lot of people get their, their start, and, and it provides a lot of uh, opportunities uh, moving forward into the future. You mentioned the start to this year was really good, and then we hit, obviously, COVID. If you don't know what COVID is by now, I don't know where you've been living, but how did you, how did you stay with compelling sports talk radio how did you kind of come up with new ideas and and things to get creative in a time where there was no sports you said to be real um we did a lot of nfl as well because i was pretty confident that the nfl was going to have a draft and the nfl was going to have free agency so that provides uh some normalcy but then just talking about uh your daily life uh talking about mental health talking about some of the issues that were going on in the world and are still going on in the world. Um, there were a lot of serious conversations. And then we had some fun conversations. We did a big uh, food bracket on a, on a national network. So we took pretty much like the best food item from some of our biggest markets that we, we broadcast in. And we did a, a one shining moment uh, cut of it with all the, all the highlights from the three, four days of the food bracket. We opened it up to listeners. 
to vote in it. We brought Adam Richman on from the, the, the Food Network to break down each and every region. Um, there's another uh, host on CBS Sports Radio, Sean Mraz, who DA Damon Amendola called the Sultan of Salt. So we brought him on, and, and we were breaking down food like New York pizza uh, up against um, a Juicy Lucy or a, a po' boy from New Orleans, whatever it was as if it was uh, Heat Lakers and NBA Finals. So we had some fun with that stuff. And um, then it was also just covering the storylines and, and ripping Rob Manfred for the incompetence of Major League Baseball, praising the NBA, praising the NFL for the job they were doing. And also we turned to a lot of guests. Like we had Steve Kerr on. And Steve Kerr, who's usually a great interview, um, we got a lot out of him in the, in the 20 minutes we had with him. Uh, we, we had on a lot of college football coaches. Uh, we had on Mike Piazza. Uh, we had on Chipper Jones. And I think there was a lot of people that usually we wouldn't get on, but they were willing to talk and they were really willing to open up because a lot of these people, even though we look at them as, as these larger-than-life figures, they're, they're normal human beings, too, at the end of the day. And I'm sure everyone was, was at one point during COVID uh, feeling lonely and, and feeling down and it was, you know, missing those interpersonal communications. So it was uh, n- nice to, to have uh, guests who were a little bit outside of their their comfort zone and, and um, outside of what usually is robotic answers. And uh, we got a lot of good, uh, genuine, raw audio, which I think uh, really did help us during the pandemic. By the way, the Rob Manfred segments were just fantastic by the way those are those are some of my absolute favorites yeah i'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb i don't think he's gonna be sending me a, a christmas or a hanukkah card this no. year just, just out on a limb yeah no i want to talk about your guests you just mentioned a guy like steve kerr in the last week or so you've had the likes of david wright brian billick mike breen michelle tafoya on who's been your favorite guest of all time oh that's such a good question i would say the biggest thrill was when I was at the Super Bowl. I was in 11th grade, 11th or 10th grade. It may have been, I think it was 11th grade because I want to say it was in Dallas during that ice storm uh, between the Steelers and the Packers. And Adam Sandler was walking by and I just kind of stuck a microphone in front of his face and said, would you say, hey, and he came on and did the interview. And then the next year later, yeah, because I was in 11th and the next year later, I was in 12th grade. It was Patriot Giants, the second Super Bowl, Super Bowl 46 in Indy. And he came up to me and said, oh, yeah, I remember you from last year. Um, how you doing? He, and I said to Michael, can we get you on? He goes, I'll just walk past, put the microphone in my face. The PR people will say no. And, and I'll do the, the – like we had him on for like a minute, minute 30 uh, just in passing. And I had him at, uh, do a little Bobby Boucher invitation on what he thinks is going to happen in the game. And he was like, mom, mom. Mama, don't let me uh, watch the foosball. So uh, that was fun. Um, that was a, a, a short interview, though, but that was really good. I've enjoyed my, my talks with uh, Gary Bettman and, and Mike Doc Emmerich on the NHL side. Uh, Major League Baseball, David Wright and Mike Piazza being a Mets fan was such a thrill. But I'll tell you, Chipper Jones was uh, an absolute treat, even though – uh, there was many days where I would boo Chipper Jones because he would always beat up on my Mets. I've got to talk to Brady and Gronk as a Pats fan. Uh, that's been pretty surreal. Uh, there's there's just so many. Uh, I always enjoy, like you said, Mike Breen in the NBA. Um, he's always solid when he comes on, especially before 
a, a big playoff game or something along those lines. Um, announcers Jim Nance and Ian Eagle and, and Kevin Harlan and Joe Buck have, have always been uh, pretty much benevolent with their time. So um, I'm, I know I'm, I'm leaving off a bunch, um, and it's tough to pick a favorite. Uh, but those are really probably some of the few that that do come to mind right away, and then and then also um, co- college coaches are are tremendous on the air because not only do they have a, a product to promote, but um, you know I I think I get something else out of them that most most hosts don't just because I can relate to their players a, a lot, not being that far off in age. So that's like the long winded answer. I, I know I probably left off like fifteen to twenty people that I really enjoy talking to over the years. Um, but that would probably be the short answer to, to that question. Listen, I remember Chipper Jones. I'm a big Met fan too, so I remember those days of Chipper Jones, you know, just absolutely killing us. But we're going to get into the sports right now. We're going to talk with the NFL, and obviously, Zach, the unfortunate big news is the COVID outburst there in Tennessee, and they are now canceling that game with Pittsburgh this weekend. How concerned are you moving forward? Do you think this is a one-off? Do you think the NFL's got this under control? What's your confidence level at? How concerned are you? Well, no one has the virus under control, but there's there's certain things that you could do to put yourself in the best spot, and I think that the NFL has done that through the first three weeks, and we don't really know the details of what happened. You could get this going to a, a grocery store, or you could get it being ir- irresponsible. So I know everyone yesterday, whenever this happens, it's like, oh my goodness gracious, I can't believe it. This wasn't a matter of, of if, it was a matter of just when in the National Football League. And I'm sure they're going to try to play the game on Monday or Tuesday. If they don't, then they'll have to figure things out. But these are going to be some of the hiccups that you're going to have to go through and some of the roadblocks when you're playing right now. And I think it's the right decision to play. Um, obviously, the players had a decision. You could opt in for the season or you could opt out. Um, but I'm not all negative, doom and gloom like a lot of other people. Yes, it's unfortunate. Yes, you wish everyone has a speedy recovery when it's been reported that it's been three players and then five other people in the Tennessee organization. Uh, but let's be real. like We had an absolute mess with baseball. I know it's a little bit different with the NFL, but we've had a mess with baseball, whether it was the Marlins or the Cardinals or some other teams. And right now, we already got the baseball playoffs underway. So... I'm I'm not that concerned. Um, it seems like so far all the reports are good with Minnesota, which is good news. Um, and then from the Tennessee side, uh, we'll see if they end up can reschedule this game Monday or Tuesday. And that's what I think will end up happening. I think they'll play Monday or Tuesday. Uh, but the NFL should be taking an abundance of caution. And, and I have no problem with them telling the, the Titans not to get into the facility until Saturday. And I have no problem with them postponing the game on Sunday, and I think I read something right before I came on with you that the NFL they have uh, reservations throughout the whole month of February for the Super Bowl in Tampa. So yes, it would not be ideal to push this back a week or two, um, but you can if you needed to to make up some games um, if more outbreaks do happen. But I've been pretty much surprised that through the first three weeks of the season we didn't really hear much, and then uh, week four it just is kind of a reminder that even when you think you're in the clear with this virus, it's still very much real, even though there's some people that don't want to believe that. And um, now it's right back into the forefront in the NFL sports mind. So um, obviously there's a level of concern. I'm not freaking out. I think the NFL will find a way to push through this, but 
Um, anyone could get it. It could happen at any given second. You stole my story. I was going right to that Super Bowl thing. But honestly, when this story first broke, I got about six text messages that said, adios to the season. And I said, whoa, guys, that we got to pump the brakes yeah. here. Pump the brakes. We're, you know, if baseball, and <laughs> that's the funny part. If baseball could get through it, I think the NFL can get through it as well. I think they have better leadership at the top. But moving forward to what's been actually on the field, Zach, who has been your biggest surprise so far, whether that's a team that's excelling right now, whether that's the Atlanta Falcons, I'm just going to throw them right out there. Uh, Who has been your biggest surprise, either good or bad this year? Hmm, that's a good question. I've been impressed with Buffalo at 3-0, but I'm not shocked that they're 3-0. Steelers, I expected them to be good, not terribly surprised that uh, they're three and zero. Seattle has looked awesome at three and zero. The Packers, uh, I've been really impressed with Green Bay, um, and and I was questioning who their number two would be this year. I was questioning their run defense, uh, but they've done a really nice job. I would kind of say that I, I take the surprises. Oh, and and by the way, I, I can't leave this team out. But the Chicago Bears, I think they're the worst three and zero team in the history of the league, but, but that is surprising to me. Um, when I get into the surprises, it really comes from the, the, the teams that aren't playing all that well. Um, I know they got hit with the injury bug. I thought Denver would be better than 0-3. Uh, Texans, I know they had a tough schedule. You figured they would win a game, though, in their first three, but they've been really bad. Eagles, I thought they were not going to be good this year, but I did not see them being 0-2-1. Dallas, I think Dallas going to run away with that division, but uh, being at one and two and, and not being able to close against the Rams and the Seahawks was uh, disappointing. Uh, so those are some of the teams. Minnesota did not expect them to be 0-3, and, and the Falcons, you know what, you pretty much uh, get what you deserve because the fact that Dan Quinn is back with this team after the last two years, 7-9, and 7-9, not even mentioning what happened in the playoffs the two previous years before that, uh, that, that's all on Arthur Blank for bringing back Dan Quinn. Um, but really, I, I think the biggest takeaway through the, the, the first three weeks when I really look at it division by division is just how good the NFC West is. And the 49ers, we thought this would be a two-team race for the Seahawks and the 49ers. The 49ers have been hit with some injuries, and they're 2-1. and one. Um, But the Rams and Cardinals, and I know the Cardinals are coming off a loss to the, to the Lions, but the Rams and Cardinals, and the Rams should have won that game up against Buffalo if it wasn't for the poor call, but then you could also say maybe they should have lost week one to the Cowboys because they had a call that did go in, in their favor. But that division, uh, to be sitting here with the Seahawks at 3-0, Cardinals, Rams, and 49ers at 2-1, and we knew that division was going to be good, but that division um, has been money this year, and, and it's been really fun to watch the first three weeks of the season. guy I thought who could win MVP, and I still think could, is Kyler Murray, but another guy in that division, Russell Wilson, he's playing on a different planet. I don't know which planet it is, maybe Mars, Saturn, something like that, but he is not on this universe right now. And that's where I want to go next, Zach, Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. What separates them, if anything? Well, when I look at Russ, he was my pick this year to win the MVP, to win the Super Bowl, and win the Super Bowl MVP. But there is a difference being the MVP and the best player in football. And the last two years, and this is not a knock on on Russ because I think the world of him, but the last two years, uh, there's no player that I'd rather want to have in football than Patrick Mahomes leading my team. So if you're asking me what separates Mahomes and and Russell Wilson, I think it's because, and and I know that Mahomes sat for a year, 
and no one could have seen the the fifty yard uh, the fifty uh, passing touchdowns in his first season. But Mahomes got all the credit right away, um, and I know he's a lot younger than than Russ Russ Wilson Russell Wilson. But for Russell Wilson, when he won that first Super Bowl and went to the second one, the, the credit really didn't go to Russell Wilson, and, and he was underrated because we were talking about the Legion of Boom with Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman. Uh, we were talking about the the rest of the defensive names with Michael Bennett and, and Cliff Averill. And then a lot of those names disappeared and they got rid of them. In the last two years, the Seahawks have been a playoff team and this has really become Russ's team. So that's why you get people saying that Russell Wilson's underappreciated or he's underrated because he didn't get the credit all the way through. The thing I love the most, though, about Mahomes, and I don't know if I feel this way about any other quarterback in the league, um, you know, Brady obviously is never out of a game, and, and you probably think Russ is never out of a game too. Uh, but with with Mahomes, when it's fourth and long, third and long, you almost just expect him to make the play, and you're disappointed if he doesn't. If they're down by ten, uh, it's you don't even blink. You know that they're coming back, and that's what makes Mahomes to be so dangerous. Is even when he plays a, a poor half. And I've seen him play poor halves up against the Patriots. He always finds a way to put his team in a position to win the game. And that's the dangerous part of Mahomes. Like, look at it last year. Down 24 in the playoffs, down 10 in the playoffs, down 10 with seven and a half to go in a Super Bowl. And they won all three going to that championship. So the two best quarterbacks in the league right now, it's Mahomes, it's Russell Wilson. I still think Russell will win the MVP this year. He should have had six touchdown passes. If it wasn't for the blunder by DK Metcalf, uh, but Patrick Mahomes, that's what what separates him from the rest of the quarterbacks. Is he's just never out of a game, and and that offense that he plays in, it has just tremendous weapons. Even if you take Tyree Kill out, you got Clyde edwards Um Williams isn't even playing for them this year because he opted out. You got Travis Kelsey. Uh, you, you got McCole Hardman who steps up and has uh, just complete. Uh, unbelievable speed. So that that Chiefs team, that quarterback, um, he's the best in the league. And, and I say that with no disrespect to the Seahawks. And I actually like the Seahawks and the, and the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl this year. That was my pick. I took the Seahawks before the year, so I know that could sound a little hypocritical. Um, but I just feel like this is Russ's time, and, and, and I'm really rooting for him because I know a lot of people uh, look back at the Malcolm Butler pick, and that's how they remember Russ. This dude is is easily uh, the, the second-best quarterback in the league, and this dude is easily uh, going to be a Hall of Famer one day. So I would like to see him get another ring, because uh, then this would really be his ring, and he would be the face of the franchise, and he would get all the glory. And I think you make a great point with their offenses, the difference, because coming into this year, I said they had to uncork Russell Wilson. It just seems like the past couple of years, they've been like, hey, we're a running team first, you know, these kind of things. And now they got some explosion on the outside. They also have Josh Gordon if he ever gets reinstated. So just keep that in the back of your mind. And moving forward, we're going to start picking some games, Zach. And on the year, I'm, I'm boasting an okay record, 29 and 18 to start this early season. So we're going to go through about five or six games and we're going to pick them. So I'm going to start with your favorite team against the quarterback you just spoke about, Pats at Chiefs this weekend. And by far, in my opinion, the game of the week. Zach, who you got and why? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs. I, I just can't go against Kansas City. I thought it was a joke that they were three-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Ravens. Uh, the Patriots defense, they played really well last week up against the Raiders. I just don't see, with, with the front seven problems, how they slowed down Mahomes consistently in this game. 
Uh, I think Cam will have a big day. Um, I think the running backs have to step up like they did last week with Michelle and Burkhead, and it looks like James White is going to be back coming off the uh, tragedy that he's had to go through, and I send my best to him and, and his family. But I just think Kansas City in the AFC is, is on a different planet right now and playing uh, the best football in the AFC. So I'll take the Chiefs, unfortunately, uh, beating up on my Patriots. I'll probably take the Chiefs by like 10 points. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. What do you do? You think the Patriots' offense? What do the Patriots need here? Do you think they need a big play receiver? I mean, you know, as as a big fan, that's all you've been hearing about for the past what two years, three years, maybe. Is you need this big play receiver? Should they go after somebody before the trade deadline? You know, kind of. What are you thinking? Yeah, it would be nice, but I've always said um, Super Bowl Fifty Three season, Super Bowl Fifty Four, and this year comes down to the offensive line. They didn't have huge playmakers. Gronk wasn't what Gronk was, and, and Edelman is, is very good but not great. He's a great postseason player. Um, but that offensive line really turned it up in the Super Bowl 53 season late, and I think that's why you know Brady was able to do what he was able to do. And last year that offensive line was missing Isaiah Wynn. It was missing David Andrews. And they, you know Brady had no time, and, and he was pretty much running for his life. So... Um, the offensive line just has to keep on giving Cam time, and, and I think Cam's mobility is, is a big factor, but I don't expect them to really go out there and, and make a big move. It, it would be nice, um, but I don't expect it. So I look at that offensive line. If you give Cam time, he's going to find a way to eat up some clock, and that's what you're going to have to do on Kansas City because your best defense against Patrick Mahomes, even though Belichick is one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of the game, is going to be Cam and, and Cam keeping the ball and going on long drives and walking away with seven instead of three. Very fascinating as we watch. In Bill, we trust. Of course, uh, that's all I heard up at Wesley and where Bill graduated from, actually. So that was a fun little alum to have. You know, just the greatest coach of all time. Did he ever show up at a lecture? He ever show up at a lecture? Like, you know, right, Zach, uh, sh- we're going to talk about, uh, you know, map today, and we're going to go and, uh, <laughs> you know, look at E equals MC squared, and uh, we're on to uh, physics next. You know, he ever show up at all? He showed up to homecoming my sophomore year before he oh, played wow. Williams, and you you knew he was there because there was just 50 people all in suits, all having umbrellas rolled in with them. He gave us a pep talk, the likes of which you would exactly expect, and <laughs> we sh- we shut him out no, thirty five nothing. <laughs> we we absolutely des- they had no shot. One, Did once you play? We- <laughs> I started this past year, my senior year, I'd been banged up most of my career. So my sophomore year, I wasn't really seeing too many snaps. But when Bill's in the oh, that's building, awesome. yeah, yeah, up at Wesley, and it was a lot of fun. Coach Senzo up there, uh, they do a terrific job. Great program. I got a lot a lot of positive things to say about them. Guys like Field Yates went to Wesleyan as well. He played sure. football for two years. We're going to keep it moving here. We're going to go to another great matchup in my eyes is Buffalo at Las Vegas this year. By the way, their new stadium looks terrific. I, I, I really love the new Death Star. It looks it looks really, really good. But in this matchup against Buffalo and the Raiders, this is a tough one. I think the Raiders are tougher at home. I think Gruden's a really tough coach. I'm going to take the Bills because I just think Josh Allen right now is playing at a level that we have yet to see. And now, listen, he's still got as strong of an arm as as anybody, and he can throw you out of a game. But from what we've seen so far this year, he's played pretty well. He played, I think the Rams' defense is the best defense he's played by far. That's kind of, eh. You know, he did get to play the Jets, so that always helps. But I'm going to take Buffalo in this matchup, but I think it is close. I'm probably saying maybe a field goal. I haven't really been high on the Raiders. I thought they were going to lose week one to the Panthers, and 
if uh, Joe Brady and Matt Rule elected to hand the football off to McCaffrey instead of the fullback, uh, they maybe would have now. Give the Raiders credit. They did have that big uh, week two victory up against the Saints, but then Waller and, and Jacobs and, and Carr really didn't show up against the Pats. Uh, I like Buffalo in this one as well. Uh, I think the defense for Buffalo has just been tremendous under Sean McDermott. It could be the most underrated coach in the league. And then for the offense, I think they do enough with Motor Singletary and, and Diggs and Beasley and Brown. And um, yeah, I'm with you on Allen. You know, I'm impressed with what he's done the first three games, but uh, I really circle. I circled the Rams game last week. He played well. Um, I circled Tennessee coming up. And then in a few weeks, they, they do have the Chiefs. I want to see what he does up against those teams. But beat the teams that you're expected to beat. They did so up against the, the Jets and, and the Dolphins, and I think they'll do so this week up against Vegas. I just think Buffalo's rolling right now, and I see them starting out the year 4-0. And that's what great teams have to do. You have to win the games you're expected to win. And I know, listen, I got Vegas fans. They were you know, riding me on Twitter for not picking them last week, and I was 100% right about what they would do in Foxborough. And this is the problem. This is why you can't consistently pick Vegas is because you don't know which Derek Carr, you don't know which Darren Waller, and you don't know which Josh Jacobs you're getting from week to week. That's a problem. <laughs> That needs to here's, be fixed. here's what you should tell all those crazy Raider fans. Win what? games that matter first. All right? Last year you were 6-4. and 6-4. Four, and, four, and you went up against the lousy Jets, and you only scored three points. So, yes, it was impressive what they did on Monday night against the, the Saints. And I'm not saying they had to beat the Patriots, but they didn't even really show up uh, in the game and ever gave you that thought that they were going to win the game. So I don't want to hear from... The former Oakland Raider fans now, Las Vegas Raider fans, until you're back in, in, in a postseason spot. Um, so it's tough for me to believe in that team. Um, I know Cards got off to a good start. I'm not a believer. Uh, the offensive line's been banged up, but it's a good offensive line. Defensively, I like Max Crosby. Um, Damon Arnett's done a nice job, but they do have some problems defensively. Uh, so Vegas, they got to show me more. Um, just one victory up against the Saints, which was important, but it's not going to put you in the playoffs. You're speaking to the Raider fans. I know they're listening to this episode, so they're listening <laughs> loud and clear. So we're going to move on to my favorite team. I don't think this game is much of a competition. We're going to move to the Giants, and they're going to play the Rams this weekend. And well, I, Zach, do I have a hope and a prayer? Should I even? You know, I work overnight. I get home at two o'clock in the afternoon. Should I even stay up for this game? Well, can you even? Can can they even keep you around for uh, a half? Is my question. You get the lovely matchup of Broncos and Jets. On Thursday night football, ooh, that's going to be a, a doozy. A barn burner. Uh, that'll probably that will probably put a lot of people to sleep. And and New York football is just in an abysmal spot. You got the Jets who stink, and then you got the Giants who stink. The Jets are are worse than the Giants, uh, but Giants at Rams, no Saquon Barkley. He's done for the year. I'm going to trust Sean McVay. I'm going to trust uh, Jared Goff, who I don't love, and I think Aaron Donald is just he abuses most offensive lines, but. He'll really abuse uh, this Giants offensive line, which was pretty much looking like a turnstile before COVID um, at Penn Station. So uh, I'll take the Rams. I'll take the Rams big. If the Giants keep it within 14 points, I'll be surprised. That would be a miracle, and I'll, I will be looking for those results when I wake up. I'm taking the Rams, too. This is a no-doubter. McVay, they're starting to get that offense, starting to look a little bit not as explosive as they used to do, but they're looking at matchups. They're running the ball better. I was listening to something. They're running better schemes up front that fit their offensive line better. And you mentioned Aaron Donald. 
Listen, I Will Hernandez, good luck. Kevin Zeitler, good luck. We'll uh, see you on Monday for hopefully another week. So it's it's Rams big at me. We're going to move on to Cleveland at Dallas. I think this is a really interesting matchup because Dallas is a team that often will keep teams in the game longer than they should be. Zach, is there any chance for the upset this week? Can Baker and Odell go down to Dallas and steal one from Jerry and the boys? I think there's a shot. I guarantee the Browns to get to the playoffs this year. I'm not feeling great about it through the first three weeks, but they did what they had to do uh, up against the Bengals and, and Washington. I think these next three games for Cleveland will learn a lot about them. If you're a Browns fan, you probably sign for, for one and two, uh, but if you go two and one, then that would be very impressive. I think the Browns, uh, I'll probably take them to lose this week um, to Dallas. I just can't see... You know, I could see Dallas maybe uh, losing once again, coming off of uh, last week to Seattle. Uh, but with how they performed in Seattle, I think Dallas. Uh, this game could be close. I just I'll trust Dak over Baker late. Yeah, I agree. But it always seems like Dallas at home is not the home field advantage you would ever expect. It actually turns out to often be a road game. But with limited fans, you know, I guess Dallas can control that a little bit better. So we're going to move on to our last match. I'm taking Dallas as well, by the way, just to put that out there. I think I think Odell, the way he needs the offense to run, I said this, Zach, a while ago, I think he's much like a basketball player that he needs to be in rhythm. So he needs early touches to kind of feel feel the game out, get a rhythm, run some, run some crisp routes and get some catches. Football, you gotta you gotta hit the open guy. You can't really force it. I just don't see it with Odell right now, and and I think that offense struggles whenever he's not great, and which is which is unfortunately often. So I think unfortunately as a Giant fan, Dallas wins this weekend. We're gonna move on to Major League Baseball, and Zach, who's your favorite going into this new wacky playoff? Like I mean, even today we got eight games going on. We're gonna have four bubble cities actually, and it's just kind of wacky. So who is your favorite going into this? Can you really pick a favorite? Yeah, I go with the Dodgers, and I know that's going chalk. But if we go to matchups I want to see, I want to see the Yankees and the Astros in the ALCS because of the obvious. Um, If I can't see Yankees-Astros, I will pull for the White Sox. They've been a fun story. And if I can't have the Dodgers in the World Series, I would not mind seeing uh, either San Diego or Cincinnati. San Diego has a lot of young, fun players and um, let's, uh, if you're up big, let's not tell them not to, uh, swing at, uh, three Oh pitches this time. Uh, Jace Tingler, that, that would be nice. Um, but for the reds, I, I like this story of Trevor Bauer. I think he's what baseball needs. Uh, so those are the teams that I'll really be pulling for. Um, selfishly, I want to see Yankees and Astros just from the, the juicy storylines. If not, I'll go to the, the white Sox. I think the Dodgers get to the world series. But if not them, uh, I'll be pulling for either San Diego or uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, we'll make sure no 3-0 pitches are swung at this postseason, <laughs> hopefully. It was just a crazy thing. Like I got so tired of hearing it even the morning Everything it that's first wrong came with baseball. out. That's why baseball is so far behind the times. And I'll be honest with you, uh, maybe it's because of the mess that they put us through during this pandemic. This baseball postseason so far, and I know it's only one day in and, and we're getting on day number two, it, it has zero juice right now. Uh, everyone's locked into the NFL. Everyone's locked into the NBA. I get it. That could be part of the two. Uh, but, hey, the baseball playoffs are usually going on this time anyway, uh, this time of the year. Um, and I know you wouldn't be going up against the NBA finals, and so that's a little bit different. Uh, but there's just not a lot of juice with, this, with, with these baseball playoffs and really this entire baseball season, other when 
the Astros get into a fight up against the A's or or up against the Dodgers. That is going to be quite the series, and the Astros beating the Twins, who remarkably have lost the last 17 straight postseason games they've played, dating back to 2004, which Mark Teixeira was talking about on ESPN. That seems... That seems crazy in a sport like baseball where all it takes is one bounce here or there. Usually in basketball, you kind of, you know, you see the the better teams win. But, uh, man, Minnesota's got to get off the schneid there. I want to get your thought on the idea of a bubble playoff format. Now, this isn't this isn't what the NBA did where they shut it down. The guys had to come in and for two weeks they were quarantined and, and all this kind of stuff. They're going to roll through the playoff just in these bubble cities. Zach, what, what are your thoughts going into that bubble as we'll get to that in the divisional round after the wild card rounds. Yeah, the NBA did it perfectly. And Michelle Roberts, she once told me that if you don't believe we did it perfectly, just ask the Marlins going back to when the Marlins had their outbreak. So I'm all right with the postseason games being played in the bubble. I know there wasn't this quarantine um, like you would have had in the other sports, but um, you know, the last thing you want in a postseason series are players to be off on their own and, and who knows what the actual rules are inside the bubbles and, and what they can do and what they can't do. Um, but the last thing you'd want to see is a team have to sit out two weeks of the postseason and it be an entire mess uh, because of COVID. So I thought that was the right move to, to go to the bubble uh, for the divisional rounds. And uh, we'll, we'll see if it works. Uh, baseball has survived uh, some, some scares before, so... They're, they're close to the finish line, so you got to think they'll get to the finish line. Well, as long as they're not acting like the Cleveland pitchers back in back a yeah. couple months ago and you know skipping out <laughs> of the hotel at 3 a.m. Yeah, I had police act that screwed my fantasy team this year. I started yeah. to become a seller. I was like the Marlins from years ago. Yeah, I can't believe the Marlins are in the playoffs. Good for them. But we're going to move to a team within their division, actually, and the New York Mets. And the big news, obviously, is that Steve Cohen's going to take over this team and Hallelujah, the Will Ponds are gone. And Rob Manfred actually came out in one of the good things that he said is that they're going to look to push that process faster than expected. Zach, your thoughts on Steve Cohen and what he can do for this team. Not what he will do, because obviously we won't know until it happens. But what can Steve Cohen do for this brother franchise, really, to the Yankees? I've been le- I've been leading the Save Us Steve uh, train hashtag on, on Twitter. I've been putting Steve Cohen's face on the Giacometti and uh, Pointing Man statue that he purchased, which is more money than the Mets have ever spent on a free agent. He's bought Giacometti's Pointing Man and then uh, Picasso's Larev. So um, I'm very excited for Steve Cohen. I'm excited to get rid of the cheap uh, owners that are Fred and Jeff Wolpon and all the incompetence that they do bring. So I'm very excited for this, and I like that he's a Met fan, and I like that he has a whole lot of money, and I want to see him spend a lot of that $13 billion, $14 billion that he has, and just go out and keep on getting big-time names into the Mets, still develop young talent. I am, I am so excited. Um, there is so much buzz with Steve Cohen, and it's so much of a 180 in the complete antithesis from what the Wilpons are, and um, I just love that Steve Cohen's going to own this baseball team. Brandon Nimmo said it perfectly in the presser to, uh, right after the last game. We're glad to have somebody who actually you know roots for the Mets, so that's always... Listen, I just I, I want them to get back, and listen, they got the best pitcher in baseball. They got a really good young core. You got to find a way to surround those guys with weapons and and find a way to get this done. But we're going to transition now into the sport you said that did it perfectly in the NBA. And you're right. There's been zero COVID cases. Even I, even Zach, I was a little cautious when they brought the families down because I thought, listen, man, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
one of those scenarios where a lot could go awry, but they did a great job with their rules and everything like that. We're going to talk the finals, and I want to jump right into it with the Heat and the Lakers. What storylines or matchups are you most looking for in this NBA Finals? Because I think there's a ton of them. What ones are you most looking for? Well, I like the Lakers to win this series. Um, Like most people, I think it's going to be five or six games. Uh, But I think the biggest storyline, when we're just talking about these two teams and and taking the the Kobe factor and the Kobe storyline out of it, um, it's LeBron going up against the Heat. And it's LeBron. It's not any of the players going up against. It's LeBron going up against Eric Spolstra, who LeBron did not want Eric Spolstra as the coach when he was in Miami. He was trying to get Pat Riley to become the coach. And then it's that relationship of LeBron and and Pat Riley, because supposedly Pat Riley told LeBron when he was leaving it's going to be the biggest mistake of his career. And I know Pat did deny that, but that seems like something that Pat Riley would say. And um, it's just the the fact that those two haven't talked it from everything I've I've read since LeBron has left Miami to go back to Cleveland, which, uh, let's be real, that was the most meaningful championship of his career. And if he's able to win this, which I I thought LeBron was going to win the championship going into the bubble because of the best dynamic duo they have in a league of dynamic duos with LeBron and Anthony Davis, uh, this would be the second most important championship of, of LeBron's career. Um, I would say the, the, the one against Cleveland be one, and then you have the one here with the Lakers would be number two, and then um, you could order the, the one against the Spurs or OKC however you want with Miami. Um, but those are the storylines that stand out to me, and from the Miami side of it, it's can this team just continue to do the unthinkable? No one thought they were a championship team before the league. I thought Jimmy Butler was making a mistake going from Philadelphia to Miami, but he shut me up pretty quickly. And this is a Miami team that's fun. They're easy to root for. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people rooting against LeBron James, but I want to see LeBron get this ring with the Lakers and get what would be his fourth championship. And um, I think the Lakers will do so. I think they're the better team, and I think uh, they have the two best players, and they'll get the job done. And we'll see what Rondo can give them. And I think the matchup between Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo is going to be really fun. really fun and telling as to which way this series and you mentioned the lights of Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Shout out. We were talking about the NESCAC before. Duncan Robinson went to Williams for a while, and then he transferred to Michigan. You know, just great stories all around. Goran Dragic, who's been averaging 20 points in this postseason, just absolutely terrific. And I think up and down these rosters. And you mentioned the Kobe factor. I know a lot of guys at school who were significantly impacted by his passing because that's, that's who got them into basketball when they first grew up. I can definitely feel it, and they want this championship real bad. And Zach, what does this ring do for LeBron's legacy? There's a lot of talk about, is there an asterisk? Is there not? Is it tainted? Is it not? Is this his easiest road to a championship? For you, personally, what does this do for LeBron? If you say there's an asterisk, I just think you're a LeBron hater. I said that before the playoffs did begin um, this has worked perfectly. They played most of the regular season. I, I get it. There's no road games, but, um, I, you know, the mental health side of things, yeah, and I get it. They're in nice hotels, and now they have their families there. Um, but I don't think, uh, you know, this is an easy championship. I'm not going to say it's the toughest championship ever because the Bucks got eliminated and, and the Clippers got eliminated, but I'm not going to fault LeBron for that. Uh, like I said earlier, if he wins this title, it's the second most important title of his career. When he went out to the Lakers, um, people, like including myself, thought it was a business decision. Many people thought he wasn't going to win a title. So um, there's always going to be people that will hate on LeBron when he does his best. But 
Um, you know what? I think he's winning the title this year, and, and legacy-wise, it just adds another championship. He, he's already uh, one of the greatest players of all time, so even if he doesn't win, I don't think it takes away uh, from his legacy. Um, I don't think it knocks him out of the, the top three, um, even though this would be a bad loss if he did so. His worst finals loss, though, uh, has to be the one up against the Mavericks the first year in Miami. I don't think that would, would top this one um, if he was to lose. But, um, yeah, right now, LeBron, he'll win this championship. There's no doubt in my mind. And, uh, like I said, this ring makes it the second most uh, valuable ring that he has on his fingers. You mentioned everybody having their families down in the bubble except one NBA player, and that would be Jimmy Butler, who refused huh. to have anybody down there. For his own reasons. Zach, we're going to turn away from the bubble just a second because I know we do have some local fans. And listen, I know you're not Confucius, but when will the Knicks be good again? It's a great question. And I don't have an answer for you. Um, I hate to do that. Um, here's what I'll say because I know Leon Rose very well. Um, my dad went to sleepaway camp with him, I went to sleepaway camp with uh, both of his kids, Sam and Brooke. I'm a fan of Leon Rose. The only thing that concerns me with Leon Rose is that James Dolan won't have patience because James Dolan, <clears throat> excuse me, is a, uh, is a ticking time bomb. You know, it's funny. Anytime I, I mention the name James Dolan, I feel like he's tapping into my phone and, and trying for me not to say anything. And uh, there were my voice. But uh, when I look at, at Leon Rose, it's just how, how long will Dolan let him do what he wants to do? I think they made some good hires bringing in World Wide West. I like Tom Thibodeau. Um, I've got to know him over the years. I know he has a tough coaching style, but that's all right. The Knicks have brought in almost every big name, Larry Brown, uh, Lenny Wilkins, uh, Phil Jackson, and they have not been able to get this ship moving in the right direction for the last 20 years. So I just hope that this team, year one, there's no expectations. Year two, there's no expectations. Year three, you got to get to the playoffs. Um, but I hope that Dolan at least gives Leon and, and Thibodeau four years to show that they could get this train moving in the right direction because th there is a lot of work to do with this team. I've made this comparison before. I think there are some similarities between the Knicks and the Mets in terms of I, they're just with the management that's there, it seems like there's a curse lifted. I wonder how, how rowdy Nick fans get, Zach, if Steve Cohen brings the Mets back to a World Series championship. They might be calling. For, they're already calling for James Dolan's head, but they might they might be doing that even more so and actually pleading for him to sell the team. Hopefully, not getting kicked out of games like they have been, which is yeah, which has just been absurd. And that's just such a soft move from an owner and stuff like that. And you know, but again, that's lack of he's awareness. He's a jerk. He's a bully. He's a jerk. That's what it is. He's so petty. If I had all that money, I would not care if a fan told me to sell the team and then ban him for life so stupid lack of self-awareness and and you and you hit it right on the head with everything else so we're going to transition into the nhl just wrapped up tampa bay lightning won the cup a year that they were expected to win the cup although they were expected to win it last year and got swept in the first round how much did you get to watch of the nhl playoffs and what were your thoughts of the bubble because i thought it was another league that did it absolutely perfectly they got the hell out of this country and went up to canada which to me was the smartest thing they did to begin with what were your thoughts yeah, the NHL did a great job, and they don't, they don't get enough credit. I was talking about that yesterday. Um, I got to see a lot of the, the playoffs. I'm, I'm a huge hockey fan. Um, but overall, I just look at the story of Tampa. kind of reminds me of Virginia. I know more teams in, in the NCAA tournament, um, even though there was a, a bunch of teams this year in hockey. But last year, 
uh, Tampa Bay had that historical season and they couldn't get out of the first round losing to Columbus. And this year they find a way in which was such a bizarre season uh, with all that happened to win the cup. So John Cooper uh, had been uh, so many players on that team, um, you know, uh, they beat my Rangers in the playoffs a few years ago, which was which was heartbreaking. But uh, I know McDonough got a ring, which is nice to see him uh, lift the Stanley Cup. Um, but overall, uh, that's just such a, a good hockey team, uh, whether it's Stamkos, I know he was hurt, um, Kucherov, who, who's a heck of a player. Uh, that's a team that, that deserved a ring, and they were close the last few years, and to see them punch through, um, even though I wish my Rangers were getting a ring and you know, talked to me today when, when they finally buy out Henrik Lundqvist, which it stinks to see Hank uh, not have a ring. Um, but, yeah, Tampa, uh, great story and, and reminds me a lot like Virginia and even saw John Cooper after the game where the Virginia championship hat from, from a year ago. As the saying goes, it's about damn time. <laughs> you know, at least down there in Tampa, and I got buddies down there celebrating right now. No mass down there, but uh, that's a whole different mm. discussion. Zach, I want to close with college football. The SEC came back last weekend, and boy, did we see some upsets. And we got Georgia-Auburn this weekend. What are your thoughts going in? And Big Ten starting October 24th. The Pac-12 is going to come back. The MAC is coming back, which gives us football seven days a week. So I'm happy about that. Uh, just what are your thoughts around college football, how they've kind of handled things? They are in a different stratosphere, especially with the whole paying, non-paying players, all this stuff. So what do you think? Yeah, I really haven't got into college football yet. and I'm usually a huge college football fan, and it probably has to do with, all right, some conferences are playing, but they're not. Now they're back on and it getting a little political, too. Um, but, you know, I have watched some games. Um, I saw the Raging Cajuns have had that upset victory, which was cool a few weeks ago, especially what they had to go through in the offseason, uh, losing a member of their coaching staff. Um, you know, I, I saw a few go down last week. I saw Oklahoma go down last week. Uh, when you get to the, the Auburn game uh, this week, I just want to continue to see the development of one Bo Nick. So I'm sure I'm going to get back into to college football and really paying a lot more close attention to it. We do have Houston Nutt coming on this week, the former college coach and now part of CBS. Yep. Uh, so that will be fun, and, and that will get the excitement up. Uh, but it's just been so weird. Like uh, I thought the Big Ten was definitely done, and the communication was terrible. Now they're back in, in October. Um, you're going to have the Pac-12 starting up in, in November. So it's good to have these teams back and playing, and uh, we'll see. There's going to be a lot of hiccups. There's already been hiccups, but uh, we'll see if they can get through it. And I'm sure there will be a, a highly anticipated college football playoff debate, probably like no, none other. And uh, then you'll get all the, the, the excitement back into it. But right now, uh, maybe without some of these marquee matchups out of conference and, and things like that, which you'd have in a traditional year, um, and, and pretty much college football being like baseball with just a mess and the lack of transparency and trying to get the sport back. I think it's pushed some away, uh, but there will eventually we'll, we'll get people watching again. You know, we all know college football is, is king. Um, so uh, I'm not excited so far. Um, I'm not waking up each and every time I go, man, oh, man, we got college football, but I, I bet you that will change. I'm, I'm not a dummy. You know, I always say uh, football is king, so I'm just not there yet fully. Yeah, I think two things for me that stand out is, is you talk about the mess and you look at a school like Notre Dame who – they just had 18 players test positive, and well, where did it come from? Well, did it, it came from a team team breakfast, something as simple as that, or they had a player that tested positive for COVID who threw up on the sideline during a game, and they treated him for dehydration because he showed the signs of dehydration. Mm-hmm. Turns out to be COVID. How many players did he spread that to? You never know. And then the second thing is these guys coming back from these conferences, 
that were originally out. So a guy like Sean Wade, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, the two big I names, obviously. Bateman's now back with Minnesota. I just saw that. Yeah, Rondell Moore is back with Purdue. You'd love to see the talent come back, and it's just it's really fascinating with the NCAA rules and did they get agents? How does that whole thing play out? Because mm-hmm. that's a mess in and of itself. But it's going to be fun to watch. Like you said, I think it's going to take some time. I'm trying to watch anything and everything I can at this point because you you never know what COVID's going to do to us and, and kind of how we go from there. And hopefully the NCAA basketball season's coming up in a few months. But Zach, that's going to do it. I want to thank you for joining me. Just real quick, where can people not only A, listen to you on CBS Sports Radio, but where where could they reach out to you on Twitter or on any other social media? Yeah, I'm on terms of affiliates around the country. Uh, check out CBSSportsRadio.com for your local affiliate. Um, if you don't have a local affiliate in the area, Sirius XM Channel 206, or probably the easiest thing is the radio.com application. Uh, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 3 to 7 p.m. Pacific. And uh, you can always follow me on social media, on Twitter, at Zach Gelb, on Instagram, at Zach Gelb. That's Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. But I really do appreciate you having me. Uh, Good luck, and if I could help uh, in any way moving forward, uh, you got my number. Just give me a ring, brother. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And once COVID's over and New York City is not an extremely difficult place to be, maybe we can get together, go out to eat or something like that. Sounds good. You give me some beer. You give me some tequila. You give me a burger in front of me. Um, I'm 100% down, my friend. I'll give you whatever you need, my friend. Absolutely. It's been fun. And I'll definitely look forward to more discussions about Rob Manfred and Steve Cohen moving forward. <laughs> and we'll see. I'll keep tracking you. We'll keep this thing rolling. So thank you for joining me. And this has been the Air It Out podcast. As always, you can follow us on Spotify. And I'd be remiss to say here at the end that we are recording on International Podcast Day. So that is sponsored by Spotify, which is where this podcast can be found. So I'd be remiss to not mention that. Thank you, Zach, again. A fantastic interview, Ryan. What do you like most about the interview? What did you take from it? I thought it was a lot of fun. Zach's a really intelligent guy, and, you know, you heard it from the beginning, the backstory of how I know Zach and how I know him through his dad, actually, who works with WFAN and the cool work that he does. And Zach, he's been in this thing for the long haul. He's started going into radio at eight years old. You know, so you're learning from a guy who's got the work ethic, even though his dad was in a great spot. And it's just a guy that's super knowledgeable about everything. I think it's really fascinating to hear his takes, the NFL, the NBA, everything. He's literally able to talk about everything. And that's what I want to do to kind of wrap up the show here. I want to just give a quick update You know, from, from the time of that interview. Uh, the NBA Finals is now 2-0 Lakers. Anthony Davis and LeBron look to be just simply not competing against the Miami Heat, but competing against each other for Finals MVP. Although it should go to LeBron. Let's just put make that clear right now. But they're up 2-0 looking for a sweep. And I think that would be huge for LeBron's legacy to sweep a team in the finals. To being swept twice. And just looking at baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays are going to play the Yankees. A season series where the Rays took 8 of 10 from that Yankee team. So uh, don't, expect, don't expect that to carry over too much. But it should be a fun and exciting series. That's out in San Diego. Speaking of San Diego, you got the Slam Diego Padres have advanced after beating the Cardinals. That's going to be fun. The Houston Cheater Astros beat the Twins. They're moving on. It is just a wild, wild, wild time. Fernando Tatis, new face of baseball. He is really good for baseball, by the way. The one weird thing about baseball is they're not allowed to have crowds in the stands, but everybody can be next to each other outside. Really weird dynamic. Not going to go into it, but that's baseball's thing and just to wrap up mentioning baseball Jolan I want everybody to pump the brakes with the NFL 
I, I don't think the season's done. They've done everything they possibly could to get a season in. They have better leadership than Major League Baseball did, and I think Major League Baseball's issue was greater than what the NFL is going through right now. We expected something to happen at some point in the season. Don't panic, football fans. We're going to keep it right here. We even got local football going on. Pompton Lakes just embarrassed Harrison uh, this past Friday night. So uh, good stuff going on. We got college football, everything. We've got everything. Pump the brakes on the NFL. They got the money, the resources, and the time. Joel, on we mentioned this in the interview. If you're paying attention, the NFL has the hotels down in Tampa where the Super Bowl is booked through the entire month of February. So they can move the Super Bowl back if need be. They got to shuffle some games and get in later in the week. But that's going to do it for episode 19. That's a lot of information thrown at everybody. So take a deep breath, get a drink, do whatever you got to do. And that was episode 19. I'm Ryan the Goose Gosker. You can follow me on Twitter at Gosker56 or on Instagram at Goose on the Mic. Keep reaching out, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to be on the show, please let either Jolon or myself know, and we'll get you on. We want to hear people talking talking smack on Twitter. We want people talking smack about our takes. So, Jolon, where might people be able to find you and the podcast on on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at good old Joel's or Instagram at Joel on by Okwa. And you can follow us on Twitter at podcast air it out or Instagram at air it out dot podcast. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, feel free to reach us at those. Absolutely. And again, thank you, Zach Gelb for everything you are done. You have done. And we've got some beautiful guests coming up in the future. We're going to get back to goose against other people. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, thank you, Zach, so much. Thank you, CBS Sports Radio, helping grow our show. Great friend of Ryan's. That is a great friend of mine. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to do it for episode 19. Until next week and until episode 20, Jolan. Put it in the books.